If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches and knowledge of God that is not yet revealed to us that the Holy Spirit greatly desires to reveal. Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We know this promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part to this inheritance and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to this, they also will not be able to become perfect as their Heavenly Father is perfect because for this it is necessary to have a specific truth that can only be given by a teacher and to receive it you need to be a student and if we've selected a pastor then this is not a teacher. You don't select or vote for a pastor. Uh, we are also not students because it is not the pastor who tends us, we tend him. This is very important to understand. Can we become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect? Otherwise, we will not only be able to not enter the kingdom of heaven, but also see it. But people say, at least we'll inherit salvation. We don't need the kingdom of heaven. Don't be mistaking uh, on these things. The kingdom, salvation is in the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is in salvation. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man. Specifically, the goal is that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, where we die by the law, for the law, to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life, so that we can provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4, 13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. I always remind us that the faith of God and the faith of man are absolutely two different things and two different meanings. The faith of God comes from hearing the word of God. The scriptures say faith is by hearing. And so faith, the faith of God is information that comes from the planted word, the preached word. But not all have believe this report as it is written and so they don't have the faith of God if they don't believe this planted word 
If I don't agree with it, they, if people say I don't agree with this, the disciples of Christ don't behave this way. Our faith is obedience to the faith of God. It's the collaboration of our faith with God's faith. And so we differentiate our faith from God's faith. When our faith collaborates with the faith of God, is subject to the faith of God, and when we hear this planting word and we uh, prepare ourselves beforehand that what is the Lord will reveal to me today, I will fulfill. If I need to pay a price for this and leave something, I will do that. I will fulfill it. The readiness that you have, a preparedness to do that. Your heart needs to be prepared to listen to the word of God, to hear, and not just to hear, but also obey. To listen is to li hear and obey what is spoken. Demonstrate your obedience to what you hear. It's very important to understand that. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his words by the mouth of his delegated ones. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his, of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the, in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of man evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace, not having this in our heart, we become children of God when we're born from God, but we are conditional in this time, at this moment, because what we receive at the time of repentance is conditional. It's a guarantee. We are given a guarantee of salvation. Uh, and the guarantee of the Spirit. And when it says guarantee, that's not something that's your own. When you purchase a home, you give a down payment for the home, but you need to now find the remaining balance in order to purchase it so it becomes your own. And it is important to invest or turn to profit. It's to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for the destructive desires of your soul. A guarantee is to lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lose yourself in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to reobtain yourself in a new form in his resurrection. People who will not lose themselves in the death of the Lord Jesus will never reobtain themselves in a new form and will continuously li live in hell calling it paradise or heaven, will see voices of demons inside of them or their own personal thoughts and will state, the Holy Spirit has told me. Apostle Paul says, nothing good lives in us. How can the Holy Spirit can tell you this if nothing good lives in, in you? Apostle Paul says, put to death the uh, members who you are in essence, although you've repented and you've given, been given adoption, uh, fornication, uh, idol worshiping, and all kinds of other things, the entire list. Don't uh, rebuke them as de demons, but put to death, it says. And when we put we put them to death, when we lose ourselves in the death of the Lord Jesus and reobtain ourselves in a new form, the conscience is cleansed from dead works, and then the soil of the heart becomes good, and then we are able to put the seed of the kingdom of heaven into it, that we are called in collaboration with the planted word uh, to grow into the fruits of righteousness or tree of life inside of ourselves. Uh, 
wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And so if we will learn to be gentle and humble, our heart will be gentle, mouth will be restrained, we will have a tree of life that bears its fruit 12 times a year, giving each month its fruit within our heart. For us to understand that the covenant of peace within a person, a person will receive uh, later. He has made the covenant of blood, but he still needs a covenant of salt and a covenant of peace. Holiness, you need to sanctify yourself so that you can enter this covenant of peace. But when people are convinced that they have all of this immediately, and when they have everything, why do they need to seek anything more? As if they just say, as to survive at least another day, or at least at the threshold of the temple. How can you be at the threshold of the temple if you're not even at the threshold here at the temple? And you think you will be there. Those th who think... Uh, that they'll be at the threshold of the temple in heaven are the ones that were here. And we know what the threshold of the temple is, is acknowledging over yourself the authority of the person sent by God. This is acknowledging uh, the authority of a person over yourself, uh, the authority of your husband, your parents, a pastor of the church, the policeman on the street. Uh, the governor uh, in your state, the Senate, uh, the president acknowledging all authority within the boundary of Scripture. This is what it means to be at the threshold. If people don't understand that, let us read it once again. As the When the prince comes to worship, he cannot enter in voluntarily as he wishes. He needs to, at the threshold, worship the Lord and the priest will take his offering and bring it in further. And we know the prince within our essence is our renewed mind by the spirit of our mind. And the priest is the new person worshiping in spirit who will take the offering in further into the Holy of Holies. But people literally think there's a threshold there and at least we will be at a threshold and we need to not uh, put forth any effort or pay any price because we have uh, made the goal of at least get, getting to the threshold and being there in heaven. And when the Lord sees such a... Uh, 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 reaction to his truth that the way that person forsakes his truth um, you need to acknowledge over yourself God's authority the fact that you've covered your head uh, with a cloth doesn't mean you've acknowledged God's authority I've seen women in uh, who had these coverings on their heads that had a controlling spirit that controls the entire situation in the household one Ukrainian woman uh, told me that my husband uh, only walks upon one plank in the house, which she says is law. And one Russian individual that I knew uh, that also was once in our church and left to the into a charismatic uh, congregation. And so, uh, whatever uh, the, the, the father says, uh, pretty much as in a controlling manner is what will happen. A husband and wife should not be controlling. They should be a protector. Uh, a husband needs to be a protector for the wife and carry responsibility before God for her, that God not punish her. It's very important to understand these things. Righteousness 
by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace, can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. And so the peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. Uh, carnal uh, mind is when people uh, meditate about things of the world, materialistic wealth, attempting to use places of scripture for their uh them to become rich. It is not lawful to uh, apply these places that are given for your growth in faith or becoming rich in faith. They apply them for, uh, in a literal sense, for materialistic things. Everything will be burned here. Nothing will remain. For us, a new heaven and new earth is prepared upon which righteousness dwells. For us, new bodies are, are prepared, immortal bodies and they are within us. We already have it in the form of the seed of the planted word, and we have it in the form of fruit. We already proclaim that non-existent as existent because we already have it in ourselves. And we understand in what way God will do this, that only those people that have accepted by faith this promise and proclaim that not existent as existent, only they will receive it. And so, according to this given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and will not be able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind, that is within Christ Jesus, are we called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ? <clears throat> this is a very important aspect because everything that we receive in our heart needs to come through our mind <clears throat> and our mouth. When we hear the planted word, we understand it with our mind and for it to enter further <clears throat> we need to tell this planted word may it be lord according to your word lord i accept this promise you need to speak about this in yourself quietly when you hear the planted word what promise is contained in it that it end up in your heart you desire it you want it you agree with it 
you have a good soil, but you need to say it. You need to say it in your, for yourself. As Mary said, may it be according to your word. As soon as she said this, she uh, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She had conceived. As soon as we hear the promises that belong to us and our children, we need to immediately say, Lord, may it be according to your word. I accept this with joy and gladly. I will keep it. I will water the seed. Help me to grow it into fruit. And God will help by the planted word to grow it into fruit. The fruit of resurrection. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves, that we are the sons of peace and therefore are the sons of God, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. In order to perform peace, you need to have this peace inside of yourself. You need to have this peace inside of yourself. People are not able to perform peace. They cycle themselves around their feelings. They have wounded feelings and they carry them as a newborn baby. Eliminate this wounded feeling, throw it out into the death of Christ. Why are you coddling it? You know what the scriptures say. How do you forgive your brother? Up to seven times, Peter asks Jesus. Jesus said, not seven times, but 77 times. Are you ready for this? If the one that has offended you comes and 490 times he's sinned and comes and asks again for forgiveness, forgive me, will you forgive? You forgive. He's not sincerely asking, but who gave you the right to determine whether he's sincerely asking or not? No one gave you that. Only God will determine that. When people come to me and repent, I always proclaim justification, and then some people tell me, we don't agree, he's not sincere, but I told them it is not my or your business, that is God's business. We will never be able to determine outwardly whether a person is sincere or not because people are so individual. Sometimes out, outwardly they appear in one way, but inside it's completely different. Never, or you can never determine outwardly. Even people as Samuel were not able to determine outwardly the inner essence of a person. This will be the king. God said, no. Well, then it should be this one. No, it should be this one. No, no, no. Then who? And God told him, son, you're not looking at the right thing. You're looking at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. If we don't see the heart, but we see just the outward appearance, and if someone's doing something, could be something 
that uh, they're behaving according to the flesh and they hate their own flesh, they hate the things they're doing, but in, in their heart they have the desire to be good and he's trying to do good but it's not working. He, they make one mistake after the other and they fall and fall and rise again. Why? Because they're righteous. The wicked, when they fall, they don't rise again, but the righteous fall seven times but rise again. And so in his heart, he has righteousness. He received it freely. He did not earn it. He received it freely. And he wants to perform righteousness, to perform righteousness. And when you say, I repent, you perform righteousness. And God says, you're righteous. Why? Because you believe in me and I can uh, bring you uh, to such a, uh, uh, a place where you can stand upon your own wrath, you can stand upon your wounded feelings and not walk around with them. A person who has a wounded feeling does not have peace in their heart. This is a person that is bitter. They don't have peace. And if they don't become free of these things, this is our, our decision. This is our will. This is our mind. Use your will and your mind and heal your emotion. Tell her, stop crying, stop, uh, it's sufficient, you're going to bring me to hell, you're going to do what I want, I forgive, and this is a choice I make, this is very important. And so if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to clothe uh, to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God so that he can bear uh, righteousness in the fruits of peace, which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be, will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace where they would be able to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11. What is this crown? Apostle Paul called it the crown of righteousness. And the crown of righteousness is the crown of peace <clears throat> because you cannot have a crown of righteousness without God's peace in your heart. <clears throat> we need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace which portions, portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant where each side of the covenant is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God <clears throat> in the written words of his covenant. And if one of the sides, as we talk about, breaks the agreement that has been made in the covenant of peace between God and man, and one who breaks it can only be a man, as we know, then the other participant of this covenant, God, becomes free of the responsibility of fulfilling that part of his covenant that was made in the covenant of peace. The fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God, and it is evidence that we are sons of peace, and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace, and it consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son, so we can share with Him the achievement of all that is written about Him in the laws, prophets, and psalms, because justification that we have received by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has changed into the quality and format of righteousness where we receive the ability to bear fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. 
Here it's talking about a unique and unearthly peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness and be an expression and demonstration of holiness. And the boundaries are the commandments of God contained in the righteousness of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, Romans 12, 18. And so it turns out you can't have peace with all men because this peace we can only have within the boundaries of holiness and as a demonstration of holiness. Therefore, peace that we dare to or have the audacity to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness will be incriminated as a heavy form of lawlessness for which we will be needing to pay them a price of losing eternal life because our fellowship or communication with people that the scriptures ascribe to corrupt company will perverse or corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of god i speak this to your shame first corinthians 15 33-34. And so those people that say that I don't see anything wrong to have a relationship or have a friendship with this person, they love the Lord. We, for ourselves, decide then who loves the Lord and who doesn't. If these people would have loved the Lord, they would not have abandoned their church. They would not have spoken evil against their pastors. Uh, they would not speak evil against their neighbor. They would not judge everything from their uh, own, the point of, of their own mind, or according to their own mind, uh, and not state things like, I don't agree with this, as if their opinion or their uh whether they agree or not de uh, depends on what God says. As if a, a member of a church is responsible for the whole church stating, I don't agree with this, instead of if there's something we don't understand, to put it into your heart until a specific time, until we understand it. Did the first disciples of Christ understand everything or his own mother? Did she understand everything he was saying? What Mary did not understand, it says she put it into her heart. She placed it into her heart. What the patriarchs didn't understand, they put it into their heart. When Joseph saw the dream where his brothers and father bowed down to him, his father first corrected him, but then later... He put it into his heart, it's written. He then understood that he incorrectly acted. There was something that he did not yet understand. He did not understand in what way he can bow before his own son, Joseph. And then God showed him when Joseph became ruler of Egypt and received the name Safnaf Panea, the savior of the world. This is the name that the Pharaoh gave him, which means savior of the world. And when he came, he saw his son in royal garments before whom all of Egypt was bowing. From him, the life of Egypt depended, and not just Egypt, but the whole world, literally. At that time, bread was only in Egypt, and from all countries, people were coming. There was hunger, and there was hunger all over the world, and this is a symbol uh, when the God will send uh, hunger 
uh, not physical water and bread, but hunger to hear the word of God. When people go from sea to sea, uh, young men and women, and these beautiful churches, these congregations that where everything is structured, they have songs of worship, they have uh, all, everything is individual, everything is in place, they have different kinds of events that they do, Dif uh, they have a financial success, rebuking of demons, they teach about how you need to have sex with one another, husband and wife. Uh, this is the kind of things that they are doing in the church uh, talking about instead of teaching people how to be free of their old person, how to cast off of yourself this garment, how to renew yourself with the spirit of your mind and how to put on the new man. They teach very different things. They don't understand their calling. And so we need to understand that these are corrupt company. And from such, uh, keep away. If a brother is acting disorderly, that means he does not acknowledge authority. When they say, I don't agree with this, uh, brother and sister says, pastor says something, uh, well, I don't agree with this. You'll hear this kind of saying. Well, find a church then where the pastor will speak and you will, uh, where you will not say these things because you won't, you, when you're saying these things, you're saying these things to God. And when God, uh, this person speaks God's words and there are things you don't understand, not a single sermon uh, has uh, information, thoughts, or, or words that may not be fully understood, and those things, uh, they belong to God. And so what we understand belongs to us and our children, and what we don't understand belongs to the Lord God. This means that those in, that information that we don't understand, but we accept, this is bread that we keep upon the table of showbreads in ourselves before the Lord, fresh breads or fresh cakes, we receive something we don't understand, and we also receive something we do understand. And when we put it upon the table of showbreads, and the Sabbath comes, the Sabbath of God comes, or the time of God comes, when we in, <clears throat> when it comes time to remove these breads and put new ones, and suddenly you understand something that you didn't. What you didn't understand in this service, you'll understand <clears throat> in the next two to three services. As long as you've received it, if you rejected it, then you went, you rejected God. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts, God says. They are greater. How can uh, a person comprehend them? But if we humble our heart, then he will reveal his thoughts to us. This is important. <clears throat> Therefore, it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the wicked and the lawless that support the wicked, who in their time had received the truth, but afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments. <clears throat> they say, what is it, that it is only you that has God? No, God can be in every service, but when you come out incorrectly from one service and go to the other, you will not find peace in another. 
other, you will dis only deceive yourself. The very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the words given by the <coughs> delegated people of God that are placed over them testifies of the fact that they have lost the peace of God in their heart and members them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, says my God for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20, 21. <clears throat> In a specific format, we already looked at six signs, but which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is by the ability to clothe our, our essence into the holy and selective love of God. You identify the kind of love it is. It is selective. If it is holy, then it is selective. And so if it is holy and selective, then it has nothing to do with a tolerant love when you say God loves everyone. If it is a holy love, then God does not love everyone. He loves selectively. He loves his and hates those who hate him. He loves the righteous and hates the lawless. But you say he loves everyone. God does not love everyone. Who told you this? This deception. Why have you believed in that, that God loves everyone? God loves who love him and hates those who hate him. To love God is to fulfill his commandments. You love me, keep my commandments. If you hate, to hate God is to not fulfill his commandments. You say, I love you take the commandments, but you don't fulfill them. You just say them. You have the look of godliness, but you deny its power. This is the kind of people that God hates, and it's written, uh, keep away from such people. Do not invite them and do not go to their house either or visit them. According to this place of scripture, Colossians 3, 14, 15, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. <coughs> And so where is this love demonstrated in one body, in one body for, toward one another? According to this place, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our, within our heart and we will be clothed into the selective love of God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively with his children. God in and this love builds a relationship with his children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unchanging virtues or elements by the preached word of the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. Christianity 
In Christianity, they call it as the ladder of Peter. If you don't have it, then you won't be able to enter, uh, end up in heaven. By this ladder, you can end up in heaven. And when I heard this, I asked, are you able to explain to me what virtue is, what is knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love? And these were pastors that I asked. They then would look at me and became quiet and looked at me surprised because they could not explain specifically what any of them were. They weren't able to explain them, even in two words. This means that they read it. They talk about it, but they don't understand it. <clears throat> they say this is a ladder of Peter, but they don't know how you rise upon this ladder. In order to rise upon it, you need to understand it. First, each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of the rest of the qualities. They flow one from the other. They have a miraculous balance. They complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. The given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich upon the condition that we received these in the planted word, and it's in our heart. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary to, for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit even when we receive these virtues into our heart, in order to inherit them, we need the Holy Spirit. Not baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues, but the Holy Spirit Himself. Because many who are baptized by the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues will never be able to have the Holy Spirit Himself. This is because these are only gifts. Don't confuse the gift with the, the individual himself, Holy Spirit. Baptism of speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But to receive the Holy Spirit himself, you need to prepare your heart. This is already for people that are baptized. <clears throat> Apostle Paul wrote, I can't speak with you as spiritual men. You are carnal. You need to put to death these members uh, in your body. Your conscience needs to be cleansed from dead works. These are for those who already speak in tongues. And only when the conscience is cleansed from dead works, where when the elementary teaching of Christ is put into the heart, the promises of God, and only then can the Holy Spirit knock there. He does not come, and he will not knock to a young girl who is not yet grown uh, into maturity. The knock means that he has come to be betrothed. We have a sister, but she, her, uh, she has been asked, uh, they've asked for her, but she has not yet, uh, she does not yet have breasts. And the other says, I am, 
My breasts are like towers, and I have found uh, perfection. And we know what these are. This is the urim and the thummim in a person. I've, st I've stood upon the rampart to hear what he will say to me. And she says they are as towers. The urim and the thummim. Uh, thummim is the truth of the word, and urim is the Holy Spirit revealing that truth in the heart. And so when we understand those things, only then do we understand to whom the Holy Spirit will knock. They say, uh, if she would have been a wall, we would have built upon her a battlement of silver. If she would have been a door, we would over have overlaid her with cedar. And this other sister, she is a wall. She says, I am a wall. What is a battlement of silver? Silver is a symbol of salvation that is turned to profit. A battlement of silver has been built. Salvation, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What is a cedar? Cedar, symbol of righteousness. The righteous uh, flourishes. <clears throat> what is a door within our essence? Our mouth. It is by our mouth everything we receive from God. Uh, if the mouth is not righteous, if today they speak in tongues and in an hour they speak uh, bad things, idiot to their son or to the husband, you are you're a fool, or or to a husband to wife or wife to husband. Tell me, is this a door that is this a door overlaid with cedar? <clears throat> if we can speak uh, terrible words, we can pro uh, speak profanities and then speak in tongues, is this a door that is overlaid with cedar? No, of course not. We would have overlaid if she would have been, it says about her. But she is not. <clears throat> and so when Christ will come to take his own, he will knock to the bride and not to the other one. He will not come and ask for the young uh, young sister. He will come to ask and ask for the <clears throat> mature one, and he will come in and dine with her and she with him. What will he do? How will he come in? He will come in to her, and if he comes to into her, then he will destroy the old person, because he will come in as a master upon the throne. And for this, it is necessary that this old person already not be on the throne, but be bound. And then the Holy Spirit enters and takes the, the throne. <clears throat> and our body then is adopted by the redemption of Christ, and is transformed then into the Im, uh, to the perishable or mortal body into the Im, uh, immortal body. This is their guarantee. And so the means that we are to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God by inheriting these great and precious promises then we become a part of God's divine nature our <clears throat> essence become equal to God's our character becomes God's character since virtue in the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism is greedy and is just temporary human love in 
the Greek uh, language has three words in Hebrew uh, in seven words but these three words filio which is a friendship love stor, uh, storgi which is familial love with uh, between family members and eros which is uh, erotic love which is between a husband and wife and intimacy. And these three forms of love are greedy and egotistical. Why? Because a person says, you are my husband, you are my wife, you're my uncle, my aunt, you're my brother, you're required. But God's love is unconditional. It gives. It gives. Its calling is to give. This love only takes they bring a bouquet for, to his wife he brings to her why in order to uh, pretty much uh, kind of uh, butter her up so that she uh, would, would be closer with him uh, because he had sp spoken about terrible things to her previously <clears throat> but God's love doesn't do this God's love doesn't behave this way. If a person sinned, then there's a deep and sincere repentance and a hate for the sin. Come and repent uh, and say, I hate this. I feel bad that I did this. Forgive me. But often the, the side that had uh, sinned, a person says, well, I didn't want to offend you. But if they acknowledge what they did, they do it lightly it's hard to ask for forgiveness and ask as needs to be if you feel you've sinned you've behaved incorrectly uh, spoken in wrath now become confident enough uh, if you had the confidence to speak the things you did, now state that you hate this and it's not in you and that you are not this, that's no, not who you are, this is your flesh, but inside your heart, deeply you do love your partner, your, your marriage partner. This is what it means to be a part of God's divine nature. And having these characteristics in you, the fruit of the selective love of God containing the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously, this fruit is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ as our new person. The element of virtue in the selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man, since the quality of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities qualities that are the, are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God, because God is love, or more accurately, He is a holy love, separated from all that man calls love. And such an inaccessible for our mind, transcendent love of God is identified in Scripture as the bond of all perfection, which indicates the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God first over the rest of His perfections, identified as his goodness. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3, 14. And do we know uh, how God demonstrates his love? First of all, what is the greatest way he demonstrates his love? In his word. God has magnified his word above all his name. He has become a servant of his own word. His word 
is poured out into our heart, God's love is poured out in the preached word so that we understand what love is. This is His word that is poured into our heart. And so the measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in His reaction toward good and evil. The love of God is the foundation and the atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom revealing us the essence of the heavenly Father himself. And this is not all. The love of God, agape, is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. God loves only those whom he foreknew before the creation of the world and predestined so that they be conformed to the image of his Son. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, these seven characteristics that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of his selective love, we have already looked at six qualities, therefore we'll immediately turn our attention to the seventh. This is demonstrating the love of God agape and brotherly kindness. In Scripture, the love of God agape as the virtue of God coming from brotherly kindness is contrary to evil that comes from hatred of the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the degree of the power of the selective love of God, which comes from brotherly kindness and reveals itself in brotherly kindness, is determined and exclusively is known by the degree of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and evildoers who do the evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9, this is taken from the 45th Psalm. In the original uh, 45th Psalm, it's more clearly uh, written that you have loved righteousness in its carriers and hated lawlessness in its carriers. He doesn't hate uh, love righteousness and hate lawlessness separately uh, from individuals. It's in the individuals and people. Considering that evil demonstrated demonstrating itself in a man is hatred that comes from jealousy and arrogance of a man and good that demonstrates itself in man and love that comes from brotherly kindness are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals. It's talking about the Church of Saints and those that are in the Church of Saints. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7. The wicked is the one that was previously holy, but afterwards dared to take what belongs to God. A wicked person is one, not a person that 
falls into any sort of specific sin like fornication, but one that wants the position of God, one that wants the position of the pastor, not being a pastor themselves, attempts to send uh, specific words or uh, speaking uh, bad things or casting shadows against uh, the pastor. This is not according to scripture, where is he getting this information? And they then take specific places of scripture, pull them out, uh, and try to interpret them without the entire spirit or con- context of the entire spirit of the word. These are the wicked, and the lawless are the ones that support these wicked. Relevant to this, as in the previous elements, the virtue of God in his unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven elements we need to answer four classical questions first what do the scriptures say about the genesis and natural essence of the fruit of virtue that reveals itself in the heart of a man in the love of god agape that comes from brotherly kindness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith Second, what purpose does the fruit of virtue have demonstrated in our faith in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape in your faith coming from brotherly kindness? And by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? Answering the first question, we came to the conclusion that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, Romans 5.5. Relevant to this, we've noted three elements that are called to participate in the pour out of the love of God into our heart. First, the love of God can be poured out into our heart if our heart will be cleansed from dead works, which makes our heart capable and open to receive the love of God. An infant in Christ is not able to receive the love of God because he is attracted by various winds of doctrine, his heart is not cleansed from dead works, and he does not understand that or comprehend that. Second element, the love of God can be poured out into our heart if our heart will be opened to receive the Holy Spirit in the status of the Lord and Master of our life. It will be poured out, this love of God, when the Holy Spirit will enter as the Lord and Master of our life. And for this, the heart already needs to be prepared. There needs to be a codex of a code of the elementary teaching of Christ. Third element, the love of God can be poured out into our heart, not in the form of feelings, but in the preached to us word of grace, the words that are then turned into confessions of the faith of God that are called to lead our feelings so we can demonstrate the love of God as a good rider leads his horse with bits. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you blessed you forever. Psalm 45, 2. Grace, the love of God in grace, it is poured out from the mouth of of Christ and is poured out now from the mouth of the ones he sent, he's delegated. As the Lord has sent me, I send you. In Hebrew, the word grace is linked to inheritance that comes from the words to provide for, to take care of, and to prepare for, which indicates that God 
by the preached or by the means of his grace, which is based upon the greatness of the new covenant that is made with a new person, has provided for, taken care of, and prepared for man the inheritance in the form of a full measure of salvation or an absolute salvation, from which we can conclude that a heart that does not have the seal of righteousness that identifies the mutual bond of the covenant between God and man, the love of God that demonstrates itself in the law, in the law of grace does not have its legit field. The seal of righteousness is placed upon a ready document of righteousness. If a person receives a baptism of water, it is a, a seal. But he meditates about the things of the world, then this is not a sincere seal because a document is not sincere. The seal of God is placed upon a document when a person meditates about the things above, when he does a person doesn't use places of scripture to manipulate other people, to take them into control, or to get more money out of them somehow. He takes care of or pays attention to the things above and care, watches after his heart. The love of God the power of the love of God agape that is contained in the law of grace and is poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit obtains its legitimacy and its legal power within our heart within the boundaries of these elements first in a mutual covenant with God that is made in the baptisms in which we collaborate with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit we cleanse our conscience from dead works and by the means of the confessions of the faith of our heart have submerged ourselves into the death of Christ. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16, 16. Second, the power of the love of God contained in the law of grace of God obtains its legal status and its power in eating of the communion of the Lord in which the new covenant receives its power and its effectiveness. If we correctly, of course, take the, the uh, take of the communion. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, Luke 22, 20. Third, to make a covenant with God according to the conditions of the law of grace is not something a person can do where he wants to, how he wants to, or when he wants to, but only when he finds a good wife, whose husband is known at the gate. Here it's talking about when he finds a church and who has a person who is sent by God and who preaches the teaching of Jesus Christ that has come in the flesh, who has found a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. You can never ever apply this place to a literal wife. Often people do this, especially during... Uh, uh, different uh, events. It's not talking here about a physical wife. A physical wife can't be a good thing and favor by which we receive favor from God. We receive favor from God in the body, in the church. God has magnified his word, his body, his church. He in her demonstrates everything. He, for her sake, he gives everything. Therefore, to understand inside of yourself the natural essence of the love of God that comes from brotherly kindness, it is necessary for us to remember what and who God loves and what and who God hates. In a specific format, we already studied seven components of who and what God loves and stopped to study who and what God hates. 
First, the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness hates the planting of any trees near the altar and placing of pillars near the altar. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Deuteronomy 16, 21-22. This place was the subject of our previous sermon. Second, the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness in its original form hates those who hate the Lord. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the... Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. 2 Chronicles 19.2 Only those men who know the Lord are able to hate him. Knowing him, they prefer their gods and their whims over him. People of the world cannot hate God because they don't know him. Otherwise, how can you hate or refuse to have a relationship with one you are not familiar with or one that you only understand in part? Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise who rise up against you. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Psalm 139, 21, 22. I will remind us that by studying love and hatred, we are not studying feelings, but actions, obedience to the commandments of God, which are called to lead our feelings. In Scripture, to love is to have a relationship and to do good to those whom God loves. And the opposite, hate, is to avoid and bend away from having a relationship or doing good toward those whom God hates. Relevant to this, I will remind us that there's a category of enemies that we need to do good in order to overcome evil with good. These are people of the world, people of our household, and fleshly Christians. And there is a category of enemies in the church that we are forbidden from doing good to, and this is because it is not possible to overcome them with good. These are fallen angels and people that got to know the truth and afterwards turned away from the holy commandments that were given to them and left their church which is why they became carriers of the program of wickedness and lawlessness. For followers and advocates of tolerant love, it is necessary to clarify that however much good you do for the devil and the carriers of his lawlessness, you will not only not overcome them with good, but will more likely condemn yourselves to the same fate as them. This truth is presented well, in the studied by us text, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. 
an incontestable form of evidence of our love for the uh, law of God is holy truth within our heart, which identifies the nature of our new person grown in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Leviticus 20, 26. Holy truth within the heart of the righteous demonstrates the virtue of the selective love of God that comes from the atmosphere of brotherly kindness in which God shows mercy to the vessels of mercy and incinerates with his wrath the vessels of wrath that are out of the atmosphere of brotherly kindness. He does this by the carriers of his love carriers of his justice. Also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds and scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He, God, causes it to come, whether for correction, or for his land, or for mercy. Job 37, 11 through 13. In one of his God-inspired psalms, David identifying the nature of the selective love of God that comes from brotherly kindness, which identifies the burning holiness of God, says, The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone. It would have been odd and unnatural for God if he within the period of the Old Testament was one God and in the period of the New Testament suddenly changed and became a different God, which is what the wicked rags of the devil state today, as well as the lawless men that support the wicked, which are carriers and demonstrators of the program of sin. And to nip the fantasy of the frantic crowd of wicked and lawless men that are present amongst the nation of God, who resist the unchanging holiness within the nature of God, the Holy Spirit by prophet Malachi states, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Malachi 3.6 If I would have changed, then I would have destroyed you long ago, is what he's saying. And so that the proponents of the tolerant mentality and their followers that continuously convince themselves that God loves everyone so they have no doubt or basis to go on that the selective love of God is only the product of the law of Moses, I will bring forth the words of Christ that in no way are able to be applied to the format of the law of Moses. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. What is this? He blessing them? Of course not. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. And so those who follow after blind guides, where they will end up. Woe to you blind guides who say whoever swears by the temple it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it, fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it, fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore who he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe 
of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. He means cleanse your inner self. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the con condemnation of hell? Therefore indeed I send to you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zerachiah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Matthew 23, 13-36, what a terrible curse is poured out, not upon members, but the elite, the Pharisees, the scribes, they were the people that led the nation. This is the elite that manipulate, manipulated the Sanhedrin. These are that are in power in the churches. They have the look of godliness but deny its power. According to the words of Apostle Paul, the individuals whom Christ condemned to eternal suffering in the fire of hell are people that have the look of godliness but have denied its power. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come for men, he's, here he's talking about people in the church, for men will be lovers of themselves amongst the nation of God. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. Right now we are going to pray and all those who desire to resist their old nature to break the shackles of sin, all those who want to repent in their bitterness in their heart, the offense that's in their heart, this is a terrible thing that can lead you to hell. All those who desire to receive forgiveness and healing, we will pray for you. We wait for you here at the altar, and may the Lord bless you. Let us bend our knees and our heads and pray.
The Holy Spirit is present upon this place, and this is a glorious silence in which he does his work. I ask you to pray together with me. Your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to heaven, a sign that it is without wrath or doubt. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my pain. You see the wounds inflicted by sin. I hate sin. I hate the destructive desires. Have mercy on me. Save me. Protect me. Remove my shame. I love your word. I love your truth. I want to be within your liberty. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I accept the promise of forgiveness and justification. I accept my healing. I accept into my heart the promise of the adoption of my body here on earth by the redemption that is yours. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ 
May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May God's healing power do its work in your body and His saving work for your children. May this be on you and your children. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord is blessed, who every time when we come to this place, He gives us the opportunity to renew. This is called renewance. Every time we renew ourselves, when we come and we show our plea before God and we reveal our sins and the Lord proclaims us as righteous we renew ourselves and can go and continue to battle and the day will come when this battle will end inside you will not need to battle anymore inside but only outwardly I know that there are such people and I also am glad to be together with them that didn't need to battle with ourselves anymore because the old person is bound and in a prison and there's no necessity to fight with thoughts or other destructive desires. It's a blessing, truly, and I trust that there are also others amongst us. In this work, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.